When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. My age, it means less. The country I come from is called the Midwest. I was taught and brought up there the laws to abide, and that the land that I live in has God on its side. Oh, the history books tell it, they tell it so well. The cavalry charged, the Indians fell. The cavalry charged, the Indians died. Oh, the country was young, with God on its side. Those are the opening verses to With God on Its Side, Bob Dylan's song from his 1963 album, The Times They Are A-Changin'. And this is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly, and our pal Ryan Daly is back. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me. And I like to think of myself as one of your heroes that you learned about with guns in my hand and God on my side. <laughs> the best thing about this song, which, of course, is, is Dylan castigating people who believe that uh, they have God on their side when they're engaging in some sort of horrific war. Uh, like I said, the best thing about this song is uh, this song solved that problem. <laughs> it, it after, abs- after this song, people never used religion again to forward some sort of horrible agenda. It's great. It's solved. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the attorney general just quoted the Bible in order to justify doing horrific acts to children. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, this problem solved. Well done, Bob. (laughs) Thank you. I really, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Really appreciate that, Bob. Uh, No, of course, Ryan and I are are laughing because otherwise we would be crying. Uh, yeah, this song is with God on our side. It's, it's seven or I think around eight or nine verses of Bob pointing out the various historical uh, war that this country has toiled in over over the uh, the years, and everyone that that engaged in them was was convinced that they had God on their side. And he's sort of pointing out the absurdity of of that notion and so so like ryan you wanted to talk about this one i will say right up front this is not one of my favorite dylan songs um and in fact it features a particular line that i (laughs) genuinely hate like really hate that this is in the song we will get to that but why did you want to talk about this one um well for sentimental reasons it is kind of a favorite of mine or at least it's a song that i have listened to a lot um, I, I don't put it up there with some of his masterpiece songs, but I, I, I do kind of like the song um, in particular, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second. I, I really appreciate the MTV Unplugged version um, yes. a lot more, a lot more than the actual uh, uh, album version from the Times They Are Changing. A very surprising inclusion on the MTV Unplugged set. Yeah, it's and it's, very it's what strange. closes out the album and everything, and it's just a beautiful melodic. Um, but yeah, I this song, it, I, I had it on my mind because I was like, we need some protest song going. <laughs> we need to get that going right now. Yeah, the it's it's a song that has been on my mind, and it, the way it sort of came to me is, of all things, I had heard the MTV Unplugged version when it first came out, um, and I, I listened to that album a lot when I was first getting into Dylan, which, as you know, was around 96, 97, right after the uh, Time Out of Mind came out. And I've probably, second to time out of mind i've probably listened to the unplugged album more than any other album like Hmm. straight through start to finish um and of all things the movie saving private ryan kind of 
put this song in my mind and kind of kept it there for a long time. Because in that in that movie, there's a scene when the the squad is kind of bunked down in a church somewhere in France or Poland, and um, they, there's a moment when Edward Burns he's, he's talking, he's trying to pass some some quote or some line or something, and he says, you know, if God is on our side, who could be on their side? And the other private says, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? And I remember hearing that line in the movie is like, I've heard that expression or that thought somewhere else. Like, where was it? Um, and it kind of like, I was like, oh, I think it's from a Bob Dylan song that I've heard recently, not too long ago. Fast forward about a year or so, my senior year of high school, which uh, dating myself, my, okay, second semester. So this would have been 2000, the year 2000. I took an elective social studies course on the Vietnam War. It was just, it chronicled basically like the end of the Cold War, like the 50s, basically from the end of the Korean War up through the Vietnam War and like all the history and everything. Uh, I was taught by a guy named Mr. Nakin who was like six minutes away from retirement. <laughs> uh, he, he had been doing this for a long time. It was an elective course, second semester, seniors. And I think all he really cared about or wanted at that point in his life was to know that his students were just thinking about these issues. Like, the, like forget, like, I don't even know if we had a test or anything in that class. It ended up being a really good class because he brought in veterans from Vietnam, Korea, World War II, told some amazing stories, like profound stories, horrific stories of their experiences, things like that. But all that aside, I think he really just wanted to know that his students were thinking about these issues and putting them in a historical context outside of, you know, the 45 minutes that we were in his room. Because somebody else in that class brought in the lyrics to the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh, wow. And just just like talked about that or something for like a minute or something. Oh, no. And Mr. Knack gave him like so much extra credit that this kid didn't have to do another thing in class for the rest of the Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, I can beat that. So, oh. so I, I, I reached deep into the catalog and I brought him the lyrics to this song uh, with God on our side. And I was, and he was like, well, what did this mean? And I kind of went through all the historical context and I kind of pitched it to the rest of the class. And I was like, you know, and, and some of the kids like weren't really getting it. They're like, well, this Bob Dylan guy kind of sounds like an asshole because he's using <laughs> like this sense of righteousness to justify these things. I was like, yeah, that's the unreliable narrator thing. You have to get to the last verse when he kind of flips it. It's it's being ironic intentionally. And yeah, and, and that really is a thing. And you mentioned how he invokes God in order to, for the, for the people of history to justify all these wars. But I mean, you can extrapolate it further. It can be not just God or religion, but Anything that fills a person with a sense of righteousness, um, it frequently does fall to religion, but it can be nationalism, sort of extreme nationalism. Whatever makes you feel righteous can help you justify not just war, but the worst evils and atrocities that humankind is able to visit upon each other. And, and yeah, we're seeing that today. Um, that That isn't something that goes away. That is something that repeats itself despite Bob's hopeful prayer at the end of the song that you know if there really is a god if there is something then he should be like then hopefully like this will stop this will end but it's as we see not so much right i mean people want to do horrible things and then they just sort of search around for a justification for it and whether it's oh they're taking our jobs or they're going to ruin marriage or whatever you know and it's like well we kind of already know the the end result of what it is you want to get here 
and now yeah. you're just looking for something to point to. I mean, yeah, I mean, can't help but discuss politics in the current form when you're talking about this song. And you mentioned Jeff Sessions, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 look on his face describing what he was doing. Uh, he had this glee on his face, which was just horrifying. I mean, I was pretty sure he had a boner at that point. He was just so <laughs> excited. And you know, I will say, um, I'm not a religious person. I don't have any particular. Well, I should say, I do have a <laughs> kind of a beef with it. But I mean, the, when I hear anyone use the Bible to justify making laws, my back goes up because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care what the Bible says. That's not how we make laws. I right. don't, I, you know, I don't care if the Bible says very specifically, yeah, it's okay. AR-15s are okay. I, I don't care. <laughs> Deal with it. So, yeah, this song is, I find this song kind of hard to listen to just because it is it runs for about six like six seven minutes it's kind of a slow not a dirge but it's dylan's not in any hurry to get anywhere and once you hear the first example you kind of get it. you're like okay now we're just going to go through this this period because i mean he continues on he says oh the spanish-american war had its day and the civil war too was soon laid away and the names of the heroes eyes made to memorize with guns in their hands and god on their side Oh, the First World War, boys, it closed out its fate. The reason for fighting, I never got straight, but I learned to accept it. Accept it with pride, for you don't count the dead when God's on your side. That line mm-hmm. really yeah. does jump out of him. But now we're going to get to the verse that has a line that I just can't <laughs> stand. And it's when the Second World War came to an end, we forgave the Germans and we were friends. Though they murdered six million in the ovens they fried, the Germans now, too, have God on their side. The line, ovens they fried, is just, to me, I mean, is it accurate? Yes. Is it important that you convey the horror of that war in this song? Yes. But that line, to me, just stops the song dead in its tracks because it's so grotesque. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me a little bit of, take it back to modern politics, when Samantha B used that word right. to, survive, to, to describe Ivanka Trump. The joke itself, I think, was fair, but that word, she had to know that word just shuts down conversation. Right. It's that? like, it's like, invo- it's like calling somebody a Nazi in an internet. Like, it just, yeah. It just, it's like, okay, you, you're done. You've yeah, ended. We, there's just, you know, that the conversation will no longer continue. And mm-hmm. that, I wish Dylan had found a way to convey the horror of the Holocaust with just not using the words. The ovens they fr- and the fact that he uses it that it's the rhyme mm-hmm. is just it just makes me go you know yeah. and it's to me it's very telling that in the MTV Unplugged version that this verse is not in that that version on on the on the record. No, neither is the next verse, which is all about the Russians and the Cold War. And I've learned to hate the Russians all through my days or, or all through my life. If like if another war comes, it's them we must fight. Uh, he doesn't use that version in or that verse in the MTV Unplugged uh, version either. Uh, and I think it's which kind of funny. And you think it's like okay, maybe he just he realized the the argument that you're making. And and certainly when that. You know, special is done in the 90s. We didn't have the same antagonistic relationship we had with Russia. Ha ha. Um. Yeah, again, solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. None of these things are problems now. Yeah, it, I thought that was such an interesting inclusion to, for Bob to play on the MTV Unplugged uh, record. Now, he recorded this. Um, he did this live a bunch of times in the early days, right after he recorded it. And it was actually recorded 
for uh, a country you did at the New York Town Hall, which mm-hmm. was recorded in its entirely for a live album. And Columbia Records even made a sleeve. You can find it on the internet. Yep. And it's it's one of like kind of the great lost Dylan albums in that they never Dylan was cranking out so many original songs that they didn't need a live album as what they called a stopgap, which is like we need mm-hmm. product. But it's kind of amazing to me that that record kind of never got released around the time. Later on, that material has since been released. But it, yeah. it, it, it's kind of amazing that they never thought to put it out. But it's it's weird to see an official Columbia Records Bob, Bob Dylan album that you know doesn't exist. It's just like mm-hmm. kind of weird rabbit hole that I fall down. That, that album doesn't exist. Now, this song was written in 1963. Uh, this is before the Vietnam War, just as the Vietnam War was was heating up. The Neville brothers, when they covered this song, added a verse about Vietnam, which Bob then later incorporated into his own version. <laughs> so, the, you know, it would continue on. And now, of course, I mean, you know, I don't know. He hasn't sung the song live since the 19, since 1995. So I don't know if he would sing it again today. Would he add more recent verse? We've had lots of wars <laughs> since yeah. then. So I don't know. But it's it's Dylan was clearly proud of it and then pulls it out every so often but not a lot i mean it's really it's only been performed 29 times in the last mm. 55 years so it's not it's not a song he feels the need to return to a lot and i think part of it i mean you made the point it's the song itself isn't great and it is one of those things where you get the point early on and it, it's perhaps too long i mean you like you said you can keep adding verses you can go throughout the 30 years or 40 years since and add more verses to it but it's just saying more of the same what can i rhyme with uh, afghanistan <laughs> and and even the version on the album i'm not especially you know crazy about it like there are actually moments because it's just him and the acoustic guitar and there are actually moments where it kind of seems like it's like did he trip up to, is that a mistake in like the in how he's strumming it or did he miss a, a note or something there there are a few points where i think the music like almost like kind of stutters a little bit as he's just strumming along. But I do think there is something more beautiful about the unplugged version, um, ironically, which has more instruments than the album version, which is just him and the guitar. Um, He's cheating a little, calling it unplugged. Um, You do get a few more instruments, and there's just kind of like this, like, I don't know, it feels a little bit more melodic. I like his voice a lot more later on (laughs) in the the unplugged one. There's a little bit of a, a haggard weariness to it. Um, and the fact that he cuts, he trims down some of the verses, he changes up um, the, ver- the just some of the words in the um, the World War One section that I think flows a little bit better because he says the the reason for fighting I never did get instead of I never got straight. And, and yeah, it's just that that feels like maybe a little bit more self-aware and a little bit more defeated. It's not so much a protest as it's a a melancholy kind of realization mm-hmm. that uh, of what he didn't achieve uh, maybe and maybe that's something that comes back to him every once in a while when he's when he's touring yeah there are a couple of versions on this beside you can all you can find that the town the new york town, town hall one that you mentioned uh there's a version of him doing the song with joan baez which i don't really like i don't i don't think their voices together on this particular song sound that great so yeah the, the song it's i think it's just something that the message of it needs is something that we need to remind ourselves of more more often. Um, just that um, j- to check our righteousness and and not not fall for it when we we use that to disguise our cruel and inhumane behaviors. Uh, yeah, I agree about the the, the weariness. Uh, I mean, he even says he talks about I'm weary as hell. He even says mm-hmm. at one point in the song. But yeah, I think as the the older Bob Dylan is singing it more of like. 
this is how I felt in 1963, and this is where we are now, and we don't seem to have made a whole lot of progress. Now, you mentioned Joan Baez. There's a story I found on the Wikipedia page devoted to this song, which was too good to pass up. I generally, <laughs> I generally don't like to just you know read things off of the internet on the show because that's yeah, what's the point of that? But this was this story was too too funny to pass up, and it was uh, Anthony B. Herbert, a Vietnam War veteran and psychologist reported an incident related to Joan Baez's 1963 cover of With God on Her Side in a 1984 interview. And he says, I was called to Vietnam in 1968 from the Middle East while I was in Spain or en route to Spain. I bought some Joan Baez records. I went to my room in the bachelor's office, officer's quarters to listen to them. There was a knock on my door. It was an individual in civilian clothes. He asked me my name and rank. I just looked at him. I was then a major in the U.S. Army. He asked, are those Joan Baez records? I said, yeah. He said, she's like anti-military. He then identified himself. He was a one-star brigadier general. He outranked me by far. He said, you're a fan of Joan Baez? I said, how many records do you have to have to be a fan? He said, I guess three. I said, I guess I'm a fan. I've got five. He said, you have to get rid of those records or leave the building. I couldn't believe it. I said, I can't play the music I want, music that was made in the USA? He said, no, you'll have to leave the building. That's anti-military music. She was singing with God on our side. I said, I think I agree with the lyrics. I'm not anti-military, and I agree with what she's singing in the song. He said, you have to leave the building. I said, hey, it's okay with me. So he gave me a transfer. I went down to the Hilton Castile in Madrid, and I stayed in one of the best rooms they had, and the government had to pick up the tab. <laughs> you know, and it, it's kind of amazing. You think that, you know, a guy who was a brigadier general, you can't be a dummy to be a brigadier general, although you can be crazy like Curtis LeMay or something. Would hear these lyrics. I guess if you just heard Joan Baez, he just immediately dismissed it as, "Oh, that's a bunch of yeah. hippies making fun of things." I mean, you mentioned the final verse. He says, "So now I'm leaving. I'm weary as hell. The confusion I'm feeling ain't no tongue can tell. The words fill my head and they fall to the floor. If God's on our side, He'll stop the next war." I mean, ideally, nobody wants to go to war. Ideally, I mean, I know that if you're in the military, you're ready to do it. But I don't think you want to do it. And so somebody saying, I'm just kind of against war in general, it seems absurd to be like, well, then you're anti-military. Well, well, no, I don't want you guys to die either. I don't want anybody to die. That's kind of the whole anti-war thing. Yeah, and you would hope that the people who there who are making those decisions and are fighting on the front lines are a little bit more clear-headed. But You would hope. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, there was a, I know, we're, a, we're a couple of peaceniks, so I don't yeah, know. We are, yeah, Ryan and I are a bunch of uh, pro, uh, yeah, pinko hippie, so don't worry about the <laughs> don't, don't listen to us. There was an alternate take recorded for this album, but uh, this is the, the that one. I think it's on one of the bootleg series. I haven't quite heard it yet. In terms of historical, where Bob was at this point, Times Are Changing is really an album of, as he would put it, finger-pointing songs. Um, mm. If you look at the cover... It's this gray, uh, brownish, very stark photo. It doesn't suggest that there's a lot of fun to be had. It looks like Bob uh, definitely channeling Woody Guthrie. Uh, you wouldn't be shocked if this was like a photo from the Dust Bowl, you know, of some poor farmer trying to survive. And, and he, you know, note, this man later starved to death. It has that kind of thing. And you could see that in the very last song on this record, which is Russell's Farewell, that's Bob sort of realizing that these songs and this part of his career has come to an end. And he couldn't just do songs of pointing out righteousness and, and things that are wrong with the world. You had to there, that, that was a dead end for him. And, uh, you know, the next record, uh, Another Side of Bob Dylan, 
he expanded the canvas to much more internal stuff, and that's where he went from there. But Restless Farewell points to that. But this is this this album is a cult, which is the this is the first song we've actually gotten to on the show from this album. It's a bunch of great songs, but it's can be a little wearying. Uh, Ballad of Hollis Brown, in particular, is mm-hmm. just this unrelenting grimness of somebody about a, you know, with their family and they're starving to death. So it's pretty unrelenting. And one other thing I did want to mention is this, the tune that Bob Dylan uses is completely lifted from another song uh, called the Patriot game by Dominic Behan. And apparently when Mr. Behan was informed of this, he called into question every Bob Dylan song and said, well, the guy just steals everything. <laughs> Mr. Behan didn't point out that he himself stole the tune for the Patriot game from an, from an Irish folk ballad. So uh, that's what the folk process is, buddy. I mean, I don't know what the problem is here, but 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 yeah. So I guess Mr. Behan, not a fan of uh, of Bob Dylan, but but Mr. Behan too had God on his side. Yeah, well there you <laughs> that, go. It's perfect. That justifies him stealing it from the Irish exactly. folks. Hey, I stole, but you can't steal from me. That's wrong. So yeah, I mean this is this is one of these songs that it's I, I I don't I will admit I don't listen to it a whole lot, but nevertheless, hearing it in 1963, this was a pretty big deal to hear somebody of Bob Dylan's import singing something so direct about mm-hmm. where we, and especially when you think about where we were headed into Vietnam, right? At, I mean we were sending over quote unquote advisors in 1963. Yeah. You know we were headed into one of the most protracted and bloody conflicts this country has ever engaged in. And so, you know, this, this song jumped out at people. And I, and I, I also wanted to just point out that um, the penultimate verse where he talks about um, Judas betraying Jesus and, and, you know, he's many, I've been thinking about this. Uh, how does that, how does that verse begin? Through many a many dark, dark hour. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about, about this, this that yeah. Jesus Christ was betrayed by a kiss. And he questions that at the end. It's like, um, did Judas Iscariot have God on his side and posing sort of the question? I mean, like every side, no matter what the conflict, every side feels justified. It's not just, you know, pointing out the supposed good guys that, uh, of the heroes that we learn about that are, are using this uh, for their crimes, but every side. And yeah, it's just, you just need to sort of this self-awareness and realization. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it, this isn't a song that you have to listen to a whole lot, but maybe if you ever got the chance to play it for Jeff Sessions or Stephen Miller, <laughs> who I agree with you, I think they do get sexually aroused by the prospect of hurting brown people. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just shout it in their faces. I mean, you could you could probably play it while Stephen Miller is hanging upside down from that cavern that he sleeps in. So you probably <laughs> you'd probably bounce off the walls. It would be a lot of echo, but you know, maybe he'd like it. I know there's lots of cover versions of this. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, the Neville Brothers version and stuff like that. So if you like the lyrics, but maybe Dylan's uh, version is a little sparse. I would said I would suggest trying the MTV Unplugged version because it is a little more genteel and more weary. But there's lots of cover versions. You mentioned the Joan Baez and Neville Brothers. There's there's, there's a lot of versions. This was very important to a lot of people when it debuted in '63. I think there's an educational value to the yes. lyrics and actually yes. examining them. Because uh, I did, I actually taught this song uh, when I was teaching summer school one year, um, just to kind of get kids to like think not just in history but thinking about like irony and and voice and unreliable narrator and using some of those um, literary elements that I was just talking about, kind of phrasing it that way. I, I definitely think you can get into it. Um, but yeah, in terms of the musicality, uh, like I said, I, I don't I don't care as much for the standard album version, but I would defend the unplugged version. I think that's that's a that there is a beautiful melodic quality to the to the arrangement of that version. 
Absolutely, I agree. Well, Bob said, hopefully one day he'll 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 pull it out of his uh, songbook again. It's, it's sitting there just waiting to be rediscovered. It's been it's been twenty three years <laughs> since he played it last, but you know, never know what can happen. So, um, I think that's going to do it for with God on our side. Uh, Ryan, thank you as always for for coming by. I always enjoy talking to you. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Where can people find you on our network? Um, I've got a number of shows, Batman Nightcast that I do with Chris Franklin. Uh, give me those Star Wars, which I have not abandoned. I am just going into Force <laughs> Hibernation. Well, you're busy working on the remake of The Last Jedi, right? <laughs> yes, I, that's my pet project that I'm going to unveil <laughs> with my with my budget that I've crowdfunded of like thirty six dollars. It's all action <laughs> figures just running around. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, uh, depending on when this episode comes out, I am I am hard at work at uh, the newest endeavor from the Fire and Water Network, which will come out later on this summer, which is Cheerscast, Yay! the podcast where everybody knows your name. Um, listen for that, folks. Rob is on the first episode. But listen um, anyway. <laughs> no, it's still – I brought in a couple of other ringers to help lift you up. So. Thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> so no that is good i've got a couple episodes of that already recorded and ready to nice. go so that'll be that'll be fun once it's ready but oh, i'm yeah, very excited always, about that show thank you very much and thank you for having me on this one again even though it was my idea it was your idea i'm always happy to talk to you so of course yeah uh you can find back episodes of pod dylan over on the website which is again fireandwaterpodcast.com and we're always talking bob dylan over on twitter which is at pod underscore dylan so thank you everybody for listening and we will see you later bye Oh, my name, it ain't nothing My age, it means less The country I come from Is called the Midwest I start and brought up there The laws to abide and that the land that I live in Has got on its side All oh, the history books tell it They tell it so well The cavalry's charged the Indians fell The cavalry's charged The Indians died Oh, the country was young With God on its side So now as I'm I'm a weary as hell The confusion I'm feeling And your tongue can tell The words fill my head They fall to the floor And if God is on our side He'll stop the next one